0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Well, it's Friday afternoon in Alabama. That's always a good thing. It's such a good thing perhaps wherever you are. But anyway, Mads Coulter, longtime sportscaster in the state of Alabama, Lars Anderson, noted sports writer, joining you just a little bit afternoon for Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing and Union Home Mortgage. Um, Got got a, uh, got a, claim foul on myself because yesterday at this time I got on the air and said why can't we just watch the U.S. Open on anything other than than Peacock Uh, had I read the particular article in detail I would have found out that USA Today was carrying it and what you'd call cable network so and I'm watching it right now and uh, so I apologize to the television providers for the u.s open yesterday for bashing them for only providing on peacock when in fact it was on my television the entire time and when we got off the show yesterday at two o'clock i scanned i looked and i went oh oopsie daisy anyway lars i wanted to get that out of the way so we could get on to other sports including the u.s open but uh, several other things of note that we're going to talk about here on big noon sports lars has you friday
2: it is going great. I just turned in the second draft of my latest book, so uh, very happy to ship that off to New York and uh, to my editor at Simon and Schuster. And uh, everything is on schedule. I think we're going to be uh, having a April um, an April pub date, maybe a little bit earlier, uh, but uh, we'll we'll see. April twenty twenty four. Uh, It it just takes a long time for books to be printed and, you know, there's still various uh, uh, edits that it has to go through. It has to go now to a copy editor who really examines the grammar punctuation and then uh, comes back to me. I uh, accept or decline the copy editor's suggestions and then it goes to a legal read and uh that those are always fun, Matt, but those are also very, very important yes um but uh so uh it's a, it's exciting though, just uh to get the 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 process moving along and and getting closer and closer to publication and and now I'm also working on uh, another proposal to try to get uh, book number 14 uh, cranked up, and uh, I'm really excited about that. I think it has the potential to be uh, a really, really compelling subject, and I will get into that as soon as I get a contract, uh, because as you know, I've told you, I have had book ideas stolen from me before. Uh, and You've had wasn't. them turned down, and they turned out to be millions. And, million. I, and I've had them turned down by my agent, yes. I had the Bo Jackson uh, idea before Jeff Perlman, and as my agent thought it, it was a, uh, a regional book, not a national book. And lo and behold, my old buddy from Sports Illustrated, Jeff Perlman, swoops into my backyard. He lives out in L.A. He swoops into my backyard Writes a book on Bo Jackson and it debuts at number three on the New York Times list. Uh, I let my, I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't even say anything to my editor. I just emailed him the story or the link uh, to the Times list of the week that his book came out. And I, that's all I did. I didn't say a word. And uh, because, hey, I got to stay in my agent's good graces. And uh, he's great. Richard Pine, uh, of Inkwell Management, he is just fabulous. He represents so many heavy hitters in the literary world. And I'm lucky that he represents me. But, um, you know, it's just speaking of the U.S. Open, just last night, I just love the fact that we get out here in Alabama and on the East Coast, we get U.S. Open golf in prime time because when it's on the West Coast, right? Like, I mean, the Open was on till what? About 10 o'clock last night. Nine well, o- I think nine, they actually yeah. finished play around 9:30. Yeah, You're around right. nine, nine thirty or so. But it, it's a, it, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, and uh, I also love the British Open right? Because British Open often will start like four thirty, five a.m. coverage will. And uh, I am usually an early morning riser. And uh, that's when I do my best writing. And so it's great to just to have the, the uh, British Open on uh, early in the morning. And it's just like you wake up to the British Open. That, that, that's wonderful, too. But I think this is even better. And also, I think it's cool that they're, that they're playing on this course uh, in Los Angeles, and we can get into that more uh, in, in later on in the show, but um I, I like the fact that it's almost like a it's like almost in the city, you know because you can see the background of, of downtown LA uh, in it's right in, there
1: in the Hollywood Hills I mean it's yeah, I and mean, there's it, there streets that run by it you know yeah buildings yeah. in the background yeah it's crazy
2: yeah yeah and uh it's a and, and the players really uh man they just tore it up yesterday um you know uh records were broken uh by Ricky Fowler and um, and uh who was Xander the other Shoffler. one Yeah, Xander Schauffele who shot a both shot 62s uh I think that broke Johnny Miller's long held record of the US Open of uh, lowest round I think Miller shot a 63 if I'm not mistaken and so what are you know um course officials and, and others in charge going to do to try to make the course more difficult. Um, they're certainly going to rethink the pin placements. They're going to probably, you know, move the T's back as far as possible. Uh, but I, I think they've pretty much already done that. So like, at this point, the, the only real sort of mechanism that they have at their disposal is pin placement, and so we'll see. I don't. I mean, I just I don't know what else they can do to make it more challenging. You certainly don't want a U.S. Open winner to be at like minus twenty five, minus twenty eight uh, after Sunday. Um, I mean, you know, and, and right right now, I would I would think the winner, if 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 conditions stay good. Uh, and I think they are projected to be over the weekend. I think the winner is going to be right around minus 20. What do you think?
1: I don't know. Something tells me they're going to find a way to tighten things up there. I, I don't know, other than moving the pins around, that they can do this. But I did find it interesting that it seemed like that there was a group that really got after it. And then some just really, really struggled. And I guess you could say that's the case for every tournament period, much less some of the majors. But uh, Wyndham Clark is uh, proving what you are talking about to be true. He's through seven today. He's minus three. He was minus six yesterday. So this golfer with one win, I think, uh, played at Oklahoma State. He's from Scottsdale. He's a good golfer, but not. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have predicted him to be atop the leader board midway through the second round but he's at nine under then you've got the two you just spoke about uh ricky fowler your man who you called yesterday is at minus eight boy did he have a really fun round to watch uh i think he had 10 birdies something like that He had a couple bogeys by the way when we talk about these records of of 62 um and that's a record it's a record it's going to be but i think it is worth noting when you mention something like that this is a par 70. And um, it's a very interesting track, to say the least. And some of the waste areas and the the, not bunkers, but they're called something about the grass that that go in and around the holes and up by actually by the pins. uh, They have proven uh, dastardly for some of the golfers. But Fowler and Schauffler are uh, at minus eight uh, right now. Putnam, Andrew Putnam. um, There's there's a name I wouldn't have immediately recognized either. Uh, now is now at minus four. These golfers are on the course. Brian Harmon is at minus four. There's uh, Roy McIlroy. Unfortunately, today started off with a bogey, uh, mm. and through five, he's plus one for the day, and he's minus four for the tournament. But there just seems to be a look in Roy McIlroy's eyes uh, tell me yeah. he's going to be around on Sunday. I so, agree. Uh, I agree. Um,
2: um, you know, I, I, I hope that's the case. Is uh, it—I haven't had a chance to look. Is is the sun out? Because really, the the reason that the scores were so low yesterday was the the weather. There's no doubt about it because uh, they—like early in the morning, there were these misty, soft conditions— and then uh, it, it, it sort of, it just, it softened the course, which makes it easier for the guys because it's just like shooting darts, right, at, at the pins. And they were able to really uh, move the ball around on the greens uh, with backspin. And the thing is, it, it stayed overcast all day. And it stayed like cool and damp throughout the day. So the course didn't get sunbaked at all. The sun never really broke out at all. And so I know that uh, the USGA is just hoping for hot, hot, hot weather, dry weather, and sunny weather. And that will make the course much more difficult. And, and I think maybe the, the fact that you don't have anybody sprinting out and putting up crazy numbers early today may be reflective of that. Well, we'll see.
1: And it looks to me
2: on the USA Network,
1: on TBS, whoever is carrying it, I should give them credit too since I did it yesterday. Um, it looks to me like the, the conditions as far as the, the skies – uh, are you know? It looks like smoggy LA. Um, taking a look at uh, Rory. Man, he's got a pink shirt on. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll see, and we'll continue to update you on the U.S. Open at uh, L.A. Country Club uh, when we continue the show. But when we're uh, when we get back, he's become one of our favorite guests. Jeff Spiegel from 3340 will join us, and uh, we'll talk about. Uh, it has been uh, almost two days since the announcement of the SEC schedules for 2024. We'll talk a little bit about that, maybe some Alabama quarterbacks, and many other topics as we're off and running on a Friday. This is Big Noon Sports.
3: From T Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days,
4: but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel, redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops Apparel, clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athletes or fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiori Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the, Miz the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel, redefined in
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376.
0: Visit Tuscaloosa. At 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon. Just a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 60. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Storms stay widely scattered. The high, 90. showers and storms more numerous with a high at 84. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 84 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: You're listening to Big Moon Sports on a Friday afternoon. Beautiful here in Birmingham. Correct. We are going to be joined by Jeff Spiegel at the bottom of the hour. Got my times messed up once again. So the uh, sports director at 3340, a good friend of the show, will be with us in just a minute. I was just looking at a couple other things from the U.S. Open, and we can move on to a couple of topics. But uh, I know everybody's interested. Everybody in Tuscaloosa knows. But unfortunately, uh, Justin JT, did not have a good opening round at LACC. He shot a 73, so he is plus three, and he will not tee off until mid-afternoon uh, and a chance to get those strokes back. The projected cut right now is going to be one over. So that is really leaning towards Lars' thoughts that this thing may end up at minus 20. That's just unthinkable for a U.S. Open. I, it I is. I really can't wrap my uh, head around uh, that.
2: That, yeah, that opening round, the average score was uh, the lowest in history. So this this was the easiest opening. This was the easiest course in open round, for the for the opening round in the history of the U.S. Open. So uh, something dramatic needs to be done. I mean, you know, fans are complaining about it. Uh, players, I mean, players love it because they they're going low. But um, like I said, I I, I think today uh, they're going to be doing everything in their power, or they already did. Uh, just in terms of, of pin placement to uh, to try to make it try to make the track a lot more difficult.
1: I think this is further proof that the uh, the powers that be, the PGA, the the USGA, uh, whatever golf organization, are eventually going to have to look at some type of restricted flight. Um, these guys are piping at 320 on the average. Um, I saw where Roy hit one three eighty two. Lars, are you kidding me?
2: That is crazy.
1: And if you keep the ball in the fairway on this on this course, and you're hitting wedge in the fours, and there's some uh, par fives that are very reachable in two. There's you're a par. There's a par
2: four that's reachable in one. I mean, did you see that yesterday? A guy yeah. almost made a hole in one. Yeah. Would that been an albatross? uh what is that called we did we had a long discussion about come, this a we while talk back?
1: about it three or four times it's either an albatross or a condor but i think it's an albatross <laughs> but uh, it's a big bird let's just put it that way <laughs> right uh, but um and I, let's take a, a small dive on that lars uh, jack nicholas has said that he's in favor of doing something like this uh the the equipment the golf balls. And the strength and conditioning of these players, even the ones that are like the size of Tom Cruise, they're hitting the ball 350. It's just amazing to me how far they can hit the golf ball. Just as a one question only here, Lars, would you consider putting some kind of a restricted flight golf ball to where they're not hitting it 380? Maybe they're hitting it more like 330.
2: Uh, I don't know. Um, probably not. Uh, the the players are universally against it, um, and in uh, you know, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, who I, I think is a really intelligent guy he's his when he was asked about it he said quote i think it's the most atrocious thing you could possibly do to the game of golf it's not about rolling golf balls back it's about making golf courses more difficult i think it's the most unimaginative uninspiring game cutting thing you could do Everyone's, everybody wants to see people hit the ball farther the part of that's part of the reason why a lot of people like what I do. It's part of the reason a lot of people don't like uh, uh, don't like people in it short. Uh, I'm all about equality. I'm not about equity on this front. So, well, I uh, yeah,
1: we were talking with uh, so, Brian
2: Crichton yesterday, yeah.
1: and we were talking about restrictor plates. Nobody wanted restrictor plates. The drivers didn't want restrictor plates. The fans didn't want restrictor plates. Lo and behold, their engineers and mechanics and, and crew chiefs didn't want it. They, wanted, they want to go fast. They're Ricky Bobby. Um, but I think sometimes decisions have to be made in spite of the fact of what everybody wants in order to bring the game back into the fold. Um, I don't really like it. I think it, I think it's necessary. I don't you, you can't add land to these courses.
2: I know. And they have. Do? I mean and, and pretty much at every course that the tour stops at, they have pushed the boxes back, the tee boxes back as far as possible.
1: Prime example and, is the masters, right? They bought property to yeah. lengthen the course.
2: Yeah. Um, so the USGA, uh, the the uh, um, the the proposal that that they have put forth is uh, giving tournament organizers the option to make it compulsory for golfers uh, to use balls that are tested under what are called modified launch conditions uh, to limit what is the perceived problem of the growing hitting lengths, right? Um, and they, uh, the, the governing body of the USGA, they, they think that these long distance uh, hitting the ball so far, he said it, they, they say it threatens uh, golf's long-term sustainability and undermines the core principles that a broad and balanced set of playing skills should remain the primary determinant of success in golf. And there is, you know, I, I know that's kind of a a a, a, uh, a corporate way of putting it, but there is some a lot of truth in this because you have such an advantage now if you are out driving your playing partner by a uh, hundred yards, you know, hole, hole after hole after hole, um, and uh, I mean there it. it and, and it's not going to change either because just – you know, I've been going to the – I've been playing a lot of golf lately with my son, 8-year-old, and you see these kids just swinging at like <laughs> – I mean, they're coming out of their shoes. They're swinging the ball. They're swinging at it so hard. And because they are being taught – And it's true right now. The only way you are going to be a competitive, successful golfer, like if you want to play it at an elite level, is you got to learn to hit the ball far. You just got to be able to crush it. And I guess, you know, you could draw a line uh, back to Tiger Woods, and this could be like the long-term effect of Tiger Woods. But uh, that's just the way the kids are being taught right now. And so if, if you limit – and, and what, what the USGA is saying, that if you have this modified ball, it's going to limit uh, – reduce striking distance by 15 yards, which really uh, – it really – that's not really very much, right, in the, in the long in – in, 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 in the grand scheme of things but um, but yeah, I mean just over the last uh, 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 you know decade, the, the average driving distance has, I mean increased probably 50, 60 yards. And so um, and, and again, you just see it. You, you see it if you go to ranges and and you, and you watch kids who are getting taught by coaches, uh, that and, and they when they have their driver out that they are just trying to generate as much club head speed as possible right Of course you want to you, you get the swing down first and then once you have the swing down you really work on getting that club through the ball as quick as you can and um, and and I mean you know we've had several professional golfers on this show and I always ask, hey, what is the number one thing I should be teaching my son? And, and what they all have said is he's got to be able to crush the ball off the tee. I mean, that, because that's just where golf has gone. I mean, it, what, what are your thoughts on that, Matt? I mean, and, and do you like this proposed new rule? I do, but I don't. Uh, I think it's necessary. So I
1: guess I would say I would agree with it but i i think what we have to consider and, and and you touched on it briefly here is that um okay let's say you take the driver off and and rory's now hitting 330 well that's taking yards off his uh four iron um and his wedged to a certain extent i think so it, it's not just the big dog i think that um, is going to come into play haha when when you institute a new rule like this but the only other thing i can think of what do what do you do you you sh- do you, do you uh, make the fairways skinnier, then and make the rough work? I mean, those are on course things, I guess you can do. But uh, yeah. I as mean, for I, now, I, you know. let's just talk. Let's—it's it, a good conversation. But let's just update you that Wyndham is still made, making the turn, and he is at minus nine. Fowler and Chauffe will uh, tee off a little bit later, and I, I will note that. Uh, he, Don't ever count Phil Mickelson out in anything. I mean, look at what happened at uh, yeah in uh, what's the course I'm trying to think of off the coast of South Carolina. I've actually played the thing. Uh, He won the PGA a couple of years ago um, at 50, oldest to win a major. So uh, where they played the Ryder Cup, I can't believe I'm uh, from Kiowa. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But. You know, I think he. What did he fire yesterday? I'm trying to look it up here real quick, but he's uh, right around par. And man, he was getting heckled too. Did you see that?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I did. Uh, I think somebody was kicked out of uh, of the uh, of the gallery. Um, but but just going back to the golf ball, like if you apply this logic to other sports. Right, They're doing something in golf. They're doing something so well that you have to change the, the rules right? or you have to change the equipment. Well, should we raise the hoop in the NBA to 12 feet because guys are jumping higher? Should we make the length of the, the mile? longer because guys are running faster? I don't think they're going <laughs> to. I mean, I know, but that is, if you go down this path of logic, this is where you're going to end up, and I, I am against it. I really am. I know, like, JT, he's, everybody's against it. I, I just haven't, I haven't heard of one guy who, who's for it, other than it would probably be... Uh, you know, one of the, the shorter hitters, um, gosh, and I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on this guy's name, uh, who won the uh, Masters several years ago. He went to Drake, and he never reached a par five and two. He laid up every single time. So it's possible, but you just have to be incredibly accurate if you're a short hitter. Like If, if you are driving the ball say only uh, you know, 280, 300, it's hard to be a competitive tour player at this point.
1: Yes. And we need to get to a break here so we can get to Spiegel on. By the way, Phil Mickelson was under par, I think at like 2 yesterday when I was watching, but I guess last night as I fell into my slumber, he must have had a rough last few holes because Mickelson is at plus 2, which would mean he wouldn't make the cut, um, and let's see. He is teed off today, so we're now now he's at plus three. Jeff Spiegel, I got it right this time. It's coming up on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home
3: Mortgage. From T-town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This it's Big Noon Sports. Game Days, but check out Christopher
4: Mobley on the strip. It's Luxury Game Day Apparel Redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel, clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athletes or fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiori Grayson, and Mizinamain. And, and if you haven't tried the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day.com.
2: Opinion on the restricted flight golf ball, uh, which would reduce driving length by 15 to 20 yards. All the players are against it, and, uh, you know, some have even compared it to well, since since guys in the NBA are jumping higher, uh, would you raise the rim to twelve feet instead of ten feet? Uh, <laughs> right. But but do you do you have any 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 opinion on the, the uh, restricted flight golf ball?
5: Well, here's the way I've always thought about golf. I've always thought about golf. here's, here's where you separate the men from the boys in golf. You know, is on the second shots you know, the approach yeah. shot. I don't care how far a guy can drive a golf ball. I mean, I really don't. Unless they start driving every green, unless they start driving par fives. Well then then I'm gonna start, you know, raising a fuss. But I still think golf is an entertaining game to watch because what separates the 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 good ones from the great ones, you know, is the short game. And I remember when John Daly was in his prime is that Everybody talked about how far he could drive the golf ball. But what people forget about John Daly is how incredible his short game was. I mean, you go back and you look at the Open Championship that he won. He made some incredible plays with his short game. And so I think the approaches, the the play around the green is always going to separate, you know, the goods from the greats. No matter how far they drive the golf ball. So that's what I appreciate about the game of golf. I'm much more look forward to how close a guy can can knock it around the green, but like Ricky Fowler was doing yesterday, than how far they can drive the golf ball.
2: Jeff, were you uh, in in town when the PGA Championship was held at Shoal Creek?
5: Uh, let's see. That was eighty four and uh, eighty nine, uh, yeah. right?
2: 84 one. Eighty four and ninety. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Eighty four and ninety. Eighty-four, I was in Tuscaloosa. I was working in radio then. Ninety, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, when uh, Wayne Grady won the championship at um, at uh, at, the, at the at Shoal Creek. And uh, yeah, eighty-four, I was doing radio in Tuscaloosa. So no, I, I was. So I was in the neighborhood, but I was not working in the Birmingham just, market at that time. I was
2: just. I was just wondering if you've ever covered a uh, PGA Tour event and what and if you have what it was like.
5: Well, I've always wanted to, but I've never been able to, uh, to cover a PGA tour event. I've always wanted to cover, you know, one of the, you know, one of the majors. But, um, but I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's got to be a lot of fun. I mean, to do that and be, and, uh, and be doing that. But, um, but just no, but the question, but to get around to the, to the point of the question is
2: no. Other than football. Because that's the obvious of what we like to cover. What is your favorite sport to uh, to get out there and and uh, and do reporting on? I
5: think mean, probably college basketball. I mean, I've always been a basketball guy. That's what I played when I was in high school, and um, and so I've always loved those. Uh, you know, just just the atmosphere of college basketball and being in the arenas. And you know, I've covered a couple of games at Rupp Arena. And I thought that was just a magical place. And Coleman Coliseum, I mean, when it's rocking, you know, is, uh, is always fun. But just the basketball uh, games are always, which is kind of weird, but, you know, being a guy who grew up around football. But uh, basketball has always been, you know, very appealing to me when it comes to, uh, to covering sports.
2: And what's uh, – we haven't had a chance to talk to you uh, since Alabama baseball uh, made their run and we're just two wins away from, uh, from uh, making it to Omaha. Your your thoughts on that Alabama team, and then with uh, Rob Vaughn now taking over, coming from uh, Maryland, where they've won back to back Big Ten championships. He's been named Big Ten Coach of the Year in back to back years. It seems like Alabama just, or Greg Burns specifically, uh, you know, hit it out of the park, so to speak, with this hire. I totally agree. I
5: mean, he, he took a guy who's, uh, who, who's won big at that level. And it was a, a, I mean, to me, for Rob Vaughn, I mean, what a great promotion for him, you know, to go from the Big Ten to the SEC because at the Big Ten baseball is such an afterthought. But, but he did such a great job there in Maryland and now he's going to get to come into Alabama. And also think, you know, it was a, while some people, some Alabama fans were upset that maybe Jason Jackson didn't get, you know, more of an opportunity to become the head coach at Alabama. I look at this, I think 19 games, you know, uh, is probably not a a good enough body of work to to get serious consideration for the head coaching job. But I will say this, the fact that he was able to, and I don't know how disappointed Jackson was in, in not getting an opportunity to do that. But I think the team work, the team, of Rob Vaughn is head coach, and Jason Jackson is pitching coach. Very highly respected assistant coach in the league. Uh, could be pretty formidable for the for the rest of the SEC. So, I mean, I think there's there's great things to come for that program with those two guys in
2: charge. I, I agreed. I, I think it's wonderful that uh, he was able to uh, retain him. Um, just sort of like, what, what is the big picture of Alabama baseball? Like, it's it's not the most dominant program, right? Uh, and is there a reason for that? I mean, you can't expect every sport at the University of Alabama to be the best in the country, right? But, uh, but what have been some of the challenges uh, that Alabama faces? And, and it may just be uh, the fact that they play in the SEC conference and this is where all the best teams are. Well, I think part of
5: it is just the reputation of uh, you know, and Nate Oates had to fight this to, to 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 a degree. You know, it's considered a football school. You know, and and uh, but but on the other hand, that's kind of laughable because you know LSU is considered a football school, but they play baseball pretty well. You know, and, uh, you know, Tennessee's a football school. They're, they're playing pretty good baseball, you know, over there in Knoxville right now. Uh, Florida's a football school. Florida's been to a bunch of college world series. So, I mean, you can, you can be competitive in all sports. And one thing that I know about Greg Byrne is that, you know, he, he holds all of his coaches accountable and he wants every sport to be good. You know, so that's why, you know, that's why he's going undercover you know, on May 12th at a Maryland baseball game to kind of check out Rob Vaughn and see how he ticks and how he runs the program. And so, you know, he did his homework. And I think it's all about getting the the right people in place, uh, getting a good recruiter. Uh, Obviously, you know, facilities are, are, are very important. And as good as Alabama's facilities are, you know, they're lagging behind, certainly when it comes to, To LSU, and I don't know if anyone's going to ever catch up with what Mississippi State's got going on on, over there. But, but uh, I think you you get the good people in place and the right people in place and the recruiting in place. I think some good things can happen over there, and I think that's the direction they're headed.
1: Jeff, you have a really good Sunday night show. Now, just figuring out that's why you work why you're off Fridays and Saturdays (laughs) because of the Sunday night deal. Um, But uh, plug that as we go to break here.
5: Oh, absolutely! It's the zone. We do it every Sunday night at ten thirty. And uh, Doug Seagrass and Ryan Brown have been on with me for uh, for several years now, and it's a great show. It's when the Mike Reda started. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how many years ago, but he uh, he kind of birthed that show, and uh, and it's it's an awesome. We have we have a loyal following. I'm not sure how many people follow us, but we have a loyal <laughs> following. I know that, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to plug it.
2: Absolutely. Hey, that's how we. That's how off. we describe our show too. <laughs> we have a loyal <laughs> following, but we're not exactly we know sure. What? There's somebody out there. For sure. I know. All right, I speaks.
1: know. I thank you. You never know, and it's uh, you bet. Thank, thank you, <laughs> Jeff Spiegel, thirty-three uh, forty sports director and one hell of a guy. So uh, let's take a break. And when we get back, got a couple other topics. Man, the NBA is all over the place. What's wrong with Denver? What's wrong with the city of Denver? Um, I'm perplexed, and then Ja Morant got slammed. We'll talk about those particular stories on the other side of the break. Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage.
3: Covering SEC Sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports.
4: No matter how probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel, redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops Apparel, clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athletes or fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and And if you haven't tried the Miz the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel, redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny
0: sky this afternoon, just a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 60. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Storms stay widely scattered. The high, 90. Sunday, showers and storms more numerous with a high at 84. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 88 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. We do take phone calls early and often throughout the show. So remember that at 205-342-9904. And Donald has dialed in Big Noon Sports. What's uh what's going on, Donald? Crickets from Donald. We had Donald. Donald, you there? All right, let's move on to what went on in the NBA yesterday. First of all, I found it very, very funny to see uh, Djokic, uh leading the parade. Uh, so he didn't go home, Lars. No, he didn't go home to his horses. <laughs> he didn't go home to his, to his harness horses. Uh, and then, but they're, they're taking this bus through the streets of Denver, and they damn near kill a cop crushing him. But, so, you know, the, they had a fire truck, I guess, they were all on. So they had that to deal with. And then after the parade, two people are shot. Uh, that totals the number shot following the championship in the NBA to 12 because they had 10 the night of the championship. Um, that's just kind of crazy. Uh, maybe Denver doesn't need to win an
2: NBA title but once every 48 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's sort of getting out of control just uh, just – behavior of fans uh, right after a team wins a championship right at, at night typically and uh, and then uh, during the parade uh, it, it's just uh, it, it's it's uncalled for not necessary and it may uh, it, it may require some introspection and some reevaluation. Of uh, of leagues uh, moving forward, about you know what what can we do to uh, ensure the safety of the fans and make sure that geez no gunshots are fired.
1: Uh, it, it's it's crazy and it to me it just it kind of does it kind of it takes all the fun out of winning it. Yeah. Settle down, simmer down now, people. Let's have a beer and, and celebrate, but let's not turn a police car over. I think I saw that several years ago, and climbing light posts and falling off of them. Um, and can't really blame it all, but uh, people over imbibe, the, the, you know. The,
2: the, the <laughs> people Poli- over imbibe. The Denver Police Chief, Ron, uh, Ron Thomas, he did say that he believed the shooting was a targeted incident. Unrelated to the parade Um, But there were Innocent bystanders Leaving the parade area As the shots were fired And uh, yeah uh, The victims are in serious condition Being treated at uh, Denver Health Hospital And it's just uh, It's it's sad And it's uh, I don't know A reflection of our gun culture In my estimation But we won't go down that path I'm just going to
1: make a quick note, and I believe what the police chief is saying, probably to be true. And it was targeted for a reason during that time. You know, that's what I believe. You know, hey, if I'm going to take somebody out, I'm going to wait until there's 100,000 people standing around so I can get up and get out of there. Although sometimes I'm saying. And
2: and he did get away. He has not been caught uh, as of uh, as of uh, early this morning, I believe. Well,
1: uh, how about Ja Morant? You know, um, he was flashing his guns around on social media. I think he even did one that was live. Uh, I think he might have done one live from uh, like a stripper
2: joint. Boy, the NBA didn't like that, did they, Lars? Uh, no, they uh, they slapped. Him. They got him for uh, twenty five games, which is a significant suspension for a guy who was on his way toward becoming, I really believe this, the the the, the face of the NBA uh, and, he, and not saying he still can't do that he is an electrifying player uh, but uh, he, he has some things he needs to work on and he acknowledged that um, he acknowledged that uh, in his response to it, like saying that he needs to Focus on uh, you know making right decisions, and I I believe he used the word mental health or the phrase mental health. Um, And so, there may be sort of more going on than we know with him, and uh, and and it should stay private. Um, And you know, hopefully, he can uh, get things straightened out because. He had, he's, he said it. Like he is a role model, and he uh, he he let down a lot of uh, he let down a lot of people, a lot of uh, parents whose kids look up to him and will will replicate his behavior. And uh, there's uh, no need to uh, you know be, be flashing guns on social media. Didn't his dad get involved in some kind of incident
1: side court this past year? There you go, Matt. <laughs> I
3: don't know if you're asking. Uh, i a question; you're not the answer.
1: No, I distinctly remember us calling about that, uh, talking about that. But anyway, um, next hour we'll talk uh, about we'll talk with Hall of Fame baseball coach, uh, soon to be anyway. He just retired, uh, Jacksonville State's Jim Case. We'll talk to him about uh, his 22 years over in Jacksonville, Alabama, and um, also. Let's talk to him about baseball, what's going on at the major league level. What I want to ask you, Mars, is uh, why aren't more kids playing? Um, it's, that's not true in the Vestavia areas we live in, <laughs> no, is it? No. Not at all. Baseball is alive and well. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205 792 1813. That's 205 792 1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. A Townsquare Media Station, WTUG HD2 Northport, W265 CG
0: Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: Back on Big Noon Sports brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Matt Coulter is Lars Anderson. Seb Shire is at the controls. We hope you're having a great Friday afternoon. We entertain phone calls as well at 205-342-9904. So dial us up if you want to talk. Later this hour, we'll talk baseball with Jim Case, who is retiring after 22 years at the helm of the Gamecocks. Lars, I want to talk outside of sports, but it is sports, but it is Tuscaloosa, and it's a Tuscaloosa icon. And just want to wish a good, safe rest in peace to Harry Hammons. Um, I don't think we've touched on this, but we know him as Harry. Harry's Bar, right there in Tuscaloosa. Um, it, it's been around so long that I went there, uh, and then Seth probably went there. But uh, he was just an icon. He was a former I did Matt I love really, Harry's. Harry's was great, uh, and I, I have to know is it is it still open? Seth, it is indeed in definitely. Um, to say that bar was unique and its clientele was. A uh, uh, Plenty from all demographics is uh, is uh, <laughs> it's an understatement. But Harry passed away, uh, and uh, he was an Alabama basketball player. Um, but I can just remember going in there, and uh, if he went early enough, Harry might pull out those little bitty paper cup things and treat everybody to a shot. Um, but did, did, I don't know if this is true, Seb, because it's been a long time. Didn't Harry's have a basketball court in it?
2: Um, I'm not sure. Uh, not okay. recently to my knowledge, but... Okay, they probably,
1: they probably took that out because there were so many fraternity fights. Um, <laughs> I can remember going in there with a date and a couple of guys want to play pickup basketball. and We played pickup basketball for 30 minutes, all sweaty, half lit. I go, okay, baby, what do you want to do now? Uh, which is not the best way to go with a date, but... I swear I think they used to have a basketball goal uh, with a concrete floor on the outside. But chances are uh, that went away and they put more seats in, which is probably a really, really smart way to go. But uh, anyway, Lars, I don't think you ever had the pleasure of going into Harry's. But we'll go next trip to Tuscaloosa and honor Harry with a shot.
2: Yeah, I I have. uh, No, I've never been there, but uh, I I do know a little bit about the the place that it, it opened more than. Uh, Fifty years ago, I think in 1972, and, uh, and and Harry owned it for I don't know 42 years, I think, and uh, and uh, yeah, I mean everybody uh, seems to be commenting that he was just a, a larger than life stranger kind of guy who uh, never or, or larger larger than life figure kind of guy who never met a stranger big personality uh just you know helped out a lot of different people and in, in different ways and and uh just seems like he was uh, overall a, a a terrific person and a good one a good one and tuscaloosa certainly lost a good one oh
1: yes so rest in peace harry um What else is on our plate? I have a note here. We can talk about this for just a minute. Um, The the concern for Alabama at quarterback is starting to alarm me, not from what will happen and who eventually will take snaps, and I think it might be two or three, to be honest with you, when they start the season. I'll bet this right now, uh, unless somebody really steps up, we won't know who the starter is until they walk out and take the first snap. But... um, it, it, this has happened before and what happened? Alabama won national championships. But uh, the, the amount of people, and I think the transfer Porter and Buckner coming in probably adds fuel to this fire. But the concern, I think, has gone over the top, Lars. Uh, I think people forget about how Alabama, man, forget about the running backs they've got. Uh, they do have some unproven, semi-proven wide receivers coming back. This defense may be pure HE double hop hockey sticks. And they've got a good special teams coming back. So, am I wrong by thinking people are kind of th- throwing the baby out
2: with the bathwater just because of the quarterback situation at Alabama? Um, you know, it's it's unsettling because Alabama is coming off a uh, uh, a, a, a string of quarterbacks that have been uh, the, the really the best in school history. Uh, you have uh, Jalen Hurts, who is currently the highest paid player in the NFL. Uh, you have Tua, who is uh, who is picked number five overall, I believe, by the Dolphins and. And before he got hurt, even with the concussions last year, the numbers he put up were just phenomenal. And uh, and then uh, Mac Jones uh, becomes a first-round draft pick. He leads Alabama to a national title. And then, of course, Bryce Young. He's the number one overall draft pick. So it seems like this is the first time in a long time that uh there is concern over who uh, is uh who's going to be the quarterback and and what is going to be the level of play that Alabama is going to get from the quarterback and it is it's it's a it's a three-way battle uh with uh, with Tyler Buckner's uh transfer um I mean we've had time to think about it do you do you think it's Buckner's job to lose because he has the relationship with Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, going back to Notre Dame. Or, I mean, I, I really think it's. It, 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 I think it's wide open. This is my and I, I think you do have to look at the past, right? Past is prologue. So look at the past to figure out what's going to happen in the future. And really, what uh, uh, Nick Saban has always done is sort of let the quarterback battle play out and eventually one guy will win over the team. And so I believe that uh, unless there's dramatic separation in fall camp, and I don't think there will be, I think it's very possible that all three play uh, coming right out of the gate with uh, probably with the – uh, Milroe, uh, as the starter, and then Simpson getting a lot of work, and then uh, Buckner as well. I, I, I just, I, I, and, and I think that's fine, right? For Alabama, like you just, you, you let it, it, it be natural to see, uh, out on the field who is the best. Because no matter how hard you try, Matt, you, you just, you can't replicate. Game conditions in practice. There's just no way. And that's I mean that's why you, you know the, the phrase gamer exists. Some guys are just a lot better in games than they are in practice and uh, it, it's hard to figure out why. But uh, th- that's, that's how I see it playing out, and I think it will be fascinating. I think it will be the, ob- the obvious number one story around here for a long time, and we are going to be talking about it for a long time. But I think it's also going to be one of the top, you know, one, two, three, four stories of all of college football, certainly in August and in September just to see you know, who eventually emerges. And my guess right now, uh, a long way away, I think it's gonna be Ty Simpson eventually. I could be totally wrong, but uh, that just from based upon the, the people that I, I trust, uh, I think it's gonna be Simpson. And uh, I know we, we haven't seen much of him. The sample size is incredibly small. But uh, I, I, I do believe it's going to be Simpson, and I think it's going to come down to, to Simpson and Tyler Buckner. How about you?
1: I, uh, everybody has their thoughts on this. Right now I think I'd go with Tyler Buckner because uh, of his knowledge of the system. But I think a couple of things are worth noting as we go to break here is that you mentioned it, and we've talked about it. Uh, it's who wins the team. Uh, they could all be about the same as far as uh, how they're – you know, getting command of the offense. But the guy that has the face mask, the hand on the face mask in the huddle, grabbing the left tackle and says, look, keep that guy off my back. The guy that becomes the leader is going to end up becoming the quarterback. Second thing is, is Reese. What offense does he run? He's going to run the same offense at Notre Dame. And I think there's an obvious advantage with Tyler Buckner. Also, but you know, let's Buckner also remember is, this. Hang so, on, hang on, okay. hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Uh there's an uh, there's a final thought here and that's Nick Saban. He's going to make the final call here and I don't think he's missed.
2: No. He has not all. Although you know what <laughs> a lot of coaches believe that Tua should have been playing a lot earlier than he did. But, you know, as a freshman, because it was clear in practice to them. But Nick Saban was very, very... Nick Nick Saban was very, very loyal. No, Nick Saban is a loyal guy. He's loyal. He's very loyal to Jalen Hurts. And, you know, he didn't want to pull him in that national championship game, but he was forced to. And uh, if he doesn't pull him, Alabama probably loses the game. Tua probably transfers and everything... Is all different. But one last point, and I forgot to make it earlier. Tyler Buckner, I believe he would not have transferred to Alabama unless he believed that he was going to be the starter. He didn't come here to be the backup. He's got three years of eligibility remaining. He was Notre Dame starter before an injury in his shoulder in week two, had to have surgery, comes back for the bowl game, accounts for five touchdowns in a Notre Dame win. I think it's going to come down to Buckner and Ty Simpson. And I hope they
1: get Melrose in the offense. He's just so talented. Yeah, uh, I but agree. But, you know, they make these calls, and that's what they're paid to do. And, by the way, over the last 15 years, they've done it very well. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
3: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. If you've seen their clothing around town on game days, check
4: out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoop's apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Mullar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and And if you haven't tried the Miz and dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher for Mobley. Luxury game day apparel redefined.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide
0: 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon. Just a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 60. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Storms stay widely scattered. The high, 90. Sunday, showers and storms more numerous with a high at 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Big noon sports Matt Coulter, along with my partner Lars Anderson, and joined now by recently retired Jacksonville State baseball coach Jim Case. Jim and I go way, way, way way back to where, where I go, go go. But gee, I remember when you were an assistant with Ron Polk, for goodness sakes. But um, wonderful baseball career in the dugout. And hey, Lars, I want to ask you a quick question. What do you what position do you think Jim Case played in college?
2: Hmm, I'm going to say catcher.
1: Yes!
2: Catchers <laughs> make the greatest managers. Isn't that true, Jim?
1: Yeah, it, that's
6: true. I, I wasn't much of one, but that's what I played.
2: <laughs> why, why is that? Is there a, a simple explanation why catchers uh, seem to make the, the best managers, and, and it seems like more catchers become managers than any other position player?
6: but i th- i think there's several things about it one is uh you know you're looking at everything uh there's not many positions besides center field and and uh you know where you're you're taking in everything that's going on the field and and then the responsibility is so much with your pitcher that you just can't get so tied up into one area of your game you can't worry too much about your hitting because the biggest job that you have is to try to get the most out of that pitching staff that day, and so I think I think most catchers tend to be guys that are really team type of guys, and and um, you know look at the big pitcher and and uh, are trying to figure out a way for us to win. Where maybe some positions, you know, you you'll see a left fielder out there practicing his swing while he's waiting between pitches, hmm. and of course that's not happening with catchers.
1: Hmm. So. uh... How do you feel about retirement? You know, I feel, I feel different. You know, uh,
6: when you've done something for forty-one years and you've loved every minute of it, uh, I don't think there's an easy way to walk away from it and just say, "Boy, I feel great." You know, um, I, I, I love, <clears throat> I love the interaction with the players. Um, I really feel like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a a borderline coach but maybe a pretty good relationship guy and so you know I've really enjoyed the relationships through the years and trying to get people to play hard and together and um you know for the most part we've we've had some really good years with that but I think also you have to be honest with yourself and and you look at some of the changes that are going on in college baseball and 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 maybe um have to come to the realization that maybe I'm not the right guy to lead the program through these changes. And, uh, that's kind of where I, that's where I got to.
2: What's it like for Jim case to walk into Jim case stadium? I've always wanted to know this. (laughs) I've always wanted to know what it would feel like to walk into a stadium that's named after you. And, uh, and, 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 you know when you're still alive and that's a, a wonderful thing obviously but uh what, what is it like for you well i think it's a
6: great question and um but you know for for me and certainly uh i'm very proud of of that and i'm i'm grateful for the for the people that um you know funded put a lot of funds into the stadium that they they wanted it to be named after me but if i was Truly honest with you, um, I, I loved it a lot for my family. I'm from a huge family. I was one of seven children, and um, and I think that you know my brothers and my sisters, and and I could only uh, think back in my mind that if my mother was still um, around, you know, it would be something that would make her proud. She she absolutely loved baseball, and she had four boys and. She encouraged all of us to, to play baseball. She loved watching it. It was always on uh, on Saturdays only, uh, basically, at the time when I was a kid. But, uh, you know, we were allowed to to take time from our chores to, to watch uh, the Major League game of the week. And, and baseball was just a big thing for her. And so uh, I think a lot of being the proud part of it, was I, I I thought it was really something that my family was proud
1: of. That's a very cool story, and one you had not shared with me, and I like that. I'm glad that we got that on Big Noon Sports. When y'all were raising money, and I hope I'm correct. If not, I'm going to blame Tuffy Crow. But uh, didn't Riley Green uh, contribute? Didn't he play like a free concert or a concert to raise money for y'all? Stadium. I mean, if the, for those that don't know, he's an unbelievable um, country musician from Jacksonville, Alabama. But uh, he was one of the guys yeah. that really believed in Jack State baseball, too, wasn't he? Yeah, Riley.
6: Raleigh, Riley's been a friend for a long time. His family is actually uh, tremendous friends of ours. And um, when Riley was just a little guy, you know, seven, eight years old, I can remember going to his grandfather has a place that on Friday nights just local people go and and they play music and for about an hour and then they stop and everybody brings something and everybody share their food with each other and then they play for about another hour and so um i spent a lot of friday nights out at buford green's place you know just listening to music and with some friends and and riley was a little guy and he would get up on stage and his sister Casey, who is one of my favorite people in the world, uh, she was actually our trainer at one time uh, with our baseball team at Jacksonville State. So we've had really good relationships with with the family through the years, and Riley was kind enough uh, to come and do a a concert at our stadium and to bring some of his friends along from Nashville and and, uh, do that and allow us to be able to you know, take the profits from that to go towards the stadium. So, he, he's been a great friend. I actually talked to him yesterday for a little while, and and um, he's been a great friend not only to myself, but to Jacksonville State, and and, and especially to our athletic department.
2: Now, I know this is going to be a difficult question to answer. Uh, you leave Jacksonville State with a, a record of six hundred and seventy-three and and 559. So that is uh roughly you've coached at Jack State uh over 1200 games. Of those uh 1200 plus games, <laughs> is there one <laughs> is there one that wow, sticks unfair.
1: out?
2: <laughs> you know, um there
6: kind of is um there kind of is in a way. And um and that was um We, you know, our goal, and and I was never able to, I really thought when I went to Jacksonville State, um, I I believed at some point we would be able to make it to a super regional. I really did. And maybe that was unrealistic, but, you know, I felt like that it would take a year of all the pieces to fall together, but at some point I really thought it would happen, and it never did. And uh, we were able to go to several regionals, but we weren't able to win a game. We were, we were always a four seed. We were always the first team out. And then um, in the Alabama regional a few years ago, uh, we lost on on uh, the first night, and then we eliminated Clemson uh, the next day.
7: Mm.
6: And to me, that was uh, just a. Uh, it was a little bit different. It was. Um, I, it's hard to it's hard to describe, but there was a difference as far as one game goes uh it was a difference I, the, one of the things that stands out as being real different is um my wife who is very very supportive but also kind of stays in the background uh came to the dugout that day to hug my neck that's how big it was and that may not seem like a big deal but for her to do that um it was and and uh and we were able to win again the next day and uh, get ourselves into a position to be in the regional finals, but we lost that. And so, um, you know, we I, I would say that, um, you know, that storybook ending that we're all looking for, it didn't really happen, but uh, that's kind of the way it is in life, too. You know, you, you work as hard as you can and, and you do everything you can do, but it's not always a storybook ending.
2: What a great
1: life lesson, Matt. No kidding. Uh, Jim, I want to ask you a question about the state of baseball. Uh, You loved it and earned your living in it all your life. And I I love it as a spectator. But I I have concerns over the future of it. Um, I don't see kids playing as much. I I do in in my area of Birmingham and Lars, too. He has kids. I got grandkids playing. And they love it. They eat it up. But I don't see... As many kids, like you said, uh, between pitches, I don't see a lot of left fielders practicing their swing in ten-year-old little league anymore. Uh, is baseball going to be okay? Yeah, I think baseball
6: will be okay. I'm 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 disappointed with some of the things that we've done in baseball, and and we certainly don't have time to um, to talk about those. But you know, we've we've made baseball um, as you grow up, we've turned it into an upper middle class thing to do it's um most everything that happens with young kids is something to where it's going to cost significant money for them to be able to play and so what happened was when we did that we eliminated a lot of kids from being able to play and i think that that was a mistake and and it's gonna it's gonna be and i don't really know their background that well but you know, where, where are the Hank Aaron's going to come from? Where, where are the Willie Mays going to come from? Because possibly their parents are not going to be able to pay $2,500, 3000 for them to play travel baseball. And I think that that's kind of where baseball has gone. And so, you know, we can... Baseball, and we can talk about some of the things that have happened and some things that I'm not really excited about with the transfer portal and NIL and the differences, how the divide that that put between the haves and the have nots. But I really think we started that process early on. And, you know, and I think it was a mistake because we're, we're missing out on a lot of great athletes who just can't afford to play. Uh, it's already in a sport that there's some cost to because you, you have to buy a glove and you need to have a bat. And, you know, in basketball, you can throw one ball out there and 10 people can play very, very easily. And so I think we made it really tough on those uh, people that were from, I don't know where you want to call it, middle class or lower middle class. And I think we eliminated a lot of those kids from being able to play growing up. And I think the sport is suffering from that. And and I think you look at it in the big leagues and you look at um, the, the people that make up the big leagues and you see that. You know, you you see uh, a, a different dynamic of, of what, who is making up uh, big league baseball right now and, you know, where, where are those people from. And you just don't see a lot of lower-income people ended up playing major league baseball and so that you're not seeing them in college you're not seeing them in high school because they didn't play on these kids travel teams and it just makes it really tough that's more than you wanted to hear
2: um no it but didn't. that's how I feel. no that's that's, I, I, that's I, I, I sorry i i just think you're spot on i i have an eight-year-old who loves baseball and I am astonished at the amount of money it costs to keep him going, right, uh, with, with Travel Ball and, and all of that. I mean, it's, uh, it is just uh, out of control. Um, but, uh, well, I know it, it,
6: if, I, if, I, if I had all the money that I could possibly have, I would build one of the nicest little league complexes that I could have and it would cost zero for kids to play, and there would be no parents allowed at the games. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, uh. that would be the perfect way. And then that way, the kids would be able to learn, and they, would be, they wouldn't be—they would be having to please somebody else, and it wouldn't cost them anything. And you know what? They would come, and they would have the time of their lives. But when you're trying to hit, and you're young, and it's already a little scary to you, and it's a difficult task to take, and then you're having to please all of these people that have put out all this money for you to play, I I just think it's almost too much. And um, so, I mean, I I don't want to be that old guy that says that, you know, boy, things were better the way they used to be, but some things were better the way they used to be. Absolutely. And uh, I think think it's hurt baseball as a whole, and I think the people are starting to recognize it In major league baseball because we see so few african-americans that are that are playing we see people of color and so we don't really notice it but we see a lot fewer african-americans playing
1: well uh you just knocked that fastball right out of the park yeah you did uh thank you jim uh before we go you have retired uh what are some of the things you're gonna do you're gonna play golf you're gonna travel you're gonna have a big garden i don't know my wife's
6: sitting right here next and she's probably more worried than you are about it but um, i have no hobbies every everything that i have done basically has revolved around baseball and truly uh i have enjoyed every minute of it it's I don't play golf, I don't garden, I don't do any of those things. Uh, I wake up in the morning and, and I'm excited about getting to the to the field and I'm excited about planning practice and trying to help some guys get better. That's, that's something that's always been exciting to me. But if you ask me the one thing that I'm excited about, I do have three grandbabies, and I haven't spent a lot of time with them. And, uh, and I'm going to spend a lot more time with them. And, in fact, that's where I'm on my way right now uh, to spend the weekend with them. And I'm excited as I could be about it.
1: I'm there. I've got three, and they're the best. And I plan my life around them. It's just incredible. Thank you for giving us 50-plus years of your life in baseball. And congratulations on your retirement and your success in the game.
6: Thank you so much. Thanks for calling.
1: All right. Say hello to your wife. Thank for you. Us. Yeah. Wow. What a great interview. Um, yeah, he'll be back. Um, when we get back, speaking of baseball, Lars and I were uh, fortunate enough yesterday to have a lengthy interview with Wade Boggs. And I thought for those of you, because we aired it earlier in the show, those of you who listen late might want to hear it, probably want to hear it again. It was that good. And after 50-plus years in broadcasting, I can say that. Uh, We talk horses,
2: we talk beers, we talk everything with Wade Boggs. We talk
1: 74 beers, in fact, and he's getting (laughs) straight up about that. So we'll have Wade Boggs on in a repeat performance, an encore on Big Noon Sports.
3: This is the Big Noon Sports Network. We've seen their clothing around
4: town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoop's apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz main. And if you haven't tried the Miz the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher For Mobley, luxury game day apparel, redefined.
2: Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing, based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. What sticks out to you about that game? Well, it was Easter Eve, and it was freezing
7: cold. And, and we were hoping that uh, guys in the lineup would break bats because we had a 55-gallon drum that we were burning them in just to stay warm. Um, it was a brutal, windy, cold night, uh, wind blowing in about 25 miles an hour from left field. And uh, I was 4-for-12 in the game and drove in the tying run in the, top, uh, in the bottom of the 22nd inning. <laughs> um to tie the game at 2-2. So that was um and then we played till about uh 4:45 and the umpires finally called the game because they couldn't get a hold of the uh league president and then we uh, concluded it in June and it only went one inning. Sort of anticlimactic, uh, but at that time uh, major league baseball was on strike and we were the we were the the big game in town and uh they had asked if we would go up to Fenway Park and and resume that game and, and play in Fenway Park, and we as players said no that uh, we didn't want to cross any picket lines or or sort of uh, step on any of the big league guys' toes. So we concluded it in Pawtucket, and uh, like I said, went one inning and and Dave Koza drove in Marty Barrett for the winning run. Hmm.
1: Who did you watch growing up? Maybe emulate Pete Rose.
7: Yeah, Pete Rose, Reggie Jackson—they um, were my two go-to guys that I uh, always loved watching, and and uh, and it was super thrill once I got to meet them once I got to the big league. So um, they were they were my two guys.
2: Wade, uh, you obviously spent the majority of your career with the Boston Red Sox, eighty-two to ninety-two, and then ninety-three you went to the dark side as many boston fans would say by playing for the yankees i'm a big yankees fan myself but what was that transition like and how did boston fans treat you when you went from boston to new york and in you know boston to new york is really one of the great rivalries in all of sports
7: well it's not an easy transition but uh, the fact was that uh, at the end of the 91 season Mrs. Jockey had offered me a seven-year deal uh, for $37 million uh, to stay in Boston. And I wanted to sign right there. And we were talking about it in the parking lot after the season in 91. And unfortunately, in uh, January of 92, uh, she had slipped and fell in a uh, bathtub and and died. And so when I got to spring training, uh, the front office took the offer off the table I uh, played the 92 season and then uh, became a free agent so it wasn't uh, like I left Boston I was I was looking forward to signing that 7 year deal staying in Boston and being a Red Sox player for life and once I became a free agent um, you know all, all chips are off the table at that, at that point um, so uh, Mr. Steinbrenner was uh, suspended at the time but uh, his son-in-law Joe Malloy had called and Set up a meeting, and my agent and I uh, met with uh, the Yankees, and wound up signing a three-year deal. And wound up '96 uh, winning a World Series, so it was uh, it was uh, a good move on my part. But uh, like I said, I wanted to stay in Boston. I didn't want to leave, and and being back in the good graces of uh, the Boston fans. Now, my first game back in uh, in Fenway wasn't. Uh, Um, Too gracious, but, um, you know, it never is when a player leaves an organization and goes back with a a different team.
2: Well, speaking of winning that World Series in 96, uh, I was in New York at the time and I was there uh, when you guys uh, won it and saw it y'all just say yeah (laughs) but uh you know one of the most memorable scenes of of that entire season and it's just forever etched in my brain is uh you on top of the horse uh the police uh horse could could you just tell us that story of how that came about
7: well it's probably one of the smartest moves i've ever made uh (laughs) that, 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 that picture's made me a lot of money but um yeah, we were doing a dog pile, and 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 the fans were so gracious. Uh, they didn't storm the field. They were just standing in front of their seats and clapping and cheering us on. And, and we decided as a, as a unit to uh, take a victory lap. And the next thing I know, I'm in left center field on the back of a police horse. And until this day, I've never gone back and looked at any video of, of how I got upon that horse. But um, it was uh, one of those real moments that riding around yankee stadium on the back of a police horse and and just looking at the massive humanity that that are cheering us on and and it was it was really really neat for new york at the time because they hadn't won in 18 years and and finally got a championship back in new york
1: wade one of the very few things that uh, lars matt and wade boggs have in common is that we love a cold beer Quick story. Yesterday, Lars and I are in Tuscaloosa. We'd made some sales calls. We're just goofing off. I said, "Pull in here and let, let me grab a couple of tall boys." And so I get back to the car and I pull out. And I hand it. Lars, "You remember what you said?"
2: I do. I do not.
1: You said what? They didn't have any PBR because <laughs> I, I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of notorious right. in in Bogs is blue. Bogs uh, is cool man. blue. You, Mo- gotta, you Mo- gotta, you gotta,
7: you gotta go there, man. I'm telling you. So uh, the 16-year-old
1: Stallboys, yeah, they're they're awesome. I love them. How did you develop a re- uh, relationship with uh, past Blue Ribbon Beer?
7: Well, I, I uh, hired a private investigator, and we did some uh, soul searching, some background checks, and <laughs> and uh, back, yeah, back in '83, uh, I was in a in a bar, in Milwaukee, and and you know they've been using this campaign ad for a long time, and and Cool Blue is Wade Buck's. Uh, there's, there's no question about it, and, and it's, um, if you don't believe me, go to uh, cool blue uh, or Boggs is blue, uh, Boggs is cool blue dot com, and see for yourself that uh, the similarities uh, aren't just coincidental. That, uh no,
1: it kind of does look like you.
7: Oh, it, it does. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, it's it's Wade Boggs, by the
2: way. So I, I've got to ask, since we're talking about beer, is the urban legend of you uh, imbibing seventy-three beers on one flight, cross-country flight, is that true?
7: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's it's not a myth. It's it's documented proof. What is? This? Is it your metabolism? I guess. I guess. I. I. Right. I you know. A lot of people have different gifts, and I guess that was one <laughs> gift that, that, that I reluctantly got. But, um, yeah, don't try it. Uh, If you do try it, try it at home. No. Uh, and, yeah. And believe yeah, really. me, yeah, yeah. don't drink and drive, because in 1986, my mother was killed by a drunk driver. So, oh, um, I'm an advocate of uh, don't drink and drive. Hey, man, call a cab, uh, Uber, or,
1: or what have you. Hey, we're going to let you go, Wade. But uh, just real quickly, everybody buy PBR. Make sure you you, some, you you heard about it from Wade Boggs. But <laughs> what what right, are you guys, doing now? Okay, thanks, man. Appreciate it very much. It. Have a- hey, thank you, Wade. Uh, Hall of Famer Wade Boggs on Big Noon Sports. Tell your friends.
3: Um, fan- Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Pharmacy
4: at Midtown with TJ Thomas, 205 752 0627, pharmacymidtown.com. Don't forget about the retail side of the pharmacy at Midtown. It's an independent owned pharmacy specializing in walk in prescriptions, medicine on time packaging, which increases that independence, compounding needs. The only sterile compounding facility in Tuscaloosa is the Pharmacy at Midtown with TJ Thomas.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230377. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa
0: weather. A partly sunny sky this afternoon, just a few isolated storms through the evening hours. The high today, 91. The low tonight, 60. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Storms stay widely scattered. The high, 90. Sunday, showers and storms more numerous with a high at 84. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, we wrap up
1: the week, and we wrap up the day. We wrap up the show. We wrap up the hour, all included. Matt culture along with Lars Anderson, uh, really just blew it away, baseball-wise. The last uh, thirty minutes of the show, Jim Case retiring from Jacksonville State University, and um, then with Wade Boggs once again for the second consecutive day. That's really, really good stuff. But um, I do want to go back to something Case said, Lars. And you are heavily involved with your wallet in this. Mm-hmm. And then I watched my daughter and uh, son-in-law, excuse me, my... Um, yeah, that's what he is. Um, just literally pour money out for their kids to play Little League. Uh, the bats are what, $350? Uh, they all yeah. have their uh, own individual helmets now. Okay. Um, some of them have two bats.
2: Oh Lincoln they all has two bags. Gloves. Lincoln yeah. wants a, 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 a new thing among the kids is uh, they want custom-made gloves. So they kind of design their own gloves, and you can do that on the Rawlings website. And Lincoln did it the other day, and it was uh, it, the grand total of the glove came to like three seventy-five. I was like, Yeah, what, we'll, we'll, what we'll, wait, your we're dad gonna we're, Oh, he would have laughed and walked out of the room. <laughs> He would have thought I was joking. My, you know what? You know what? My dad had a had a four fingered mitt, and I loved it. I used that thing forever. <laughs> That's man. There's a lot of old school still left in you. Yeah. Right. No. no frankly, we need to. Lars. Yeah. We need to talk about that next next week. Yeah. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe. All right. Thank you, Seth.